Well, hello, beautiful soul fam, and happy Tuesday or whatever gorgeous day this finds you on. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am one of your hosts, Kim Ocean, and I have the beloved Annie Grace here with us. Hello, I'm a co-host, Annie Grace. <laughs> yes, yes, and we also have Justin Marks, my um, wonderful fiance and partner, who's going to be in the background. <laughs> my brother hey guys <laughs> <laughs> perfect so he may pop in and ask a question or two but tonight we have somebody very 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 special and dear to our hearts um the incredible michael miguel mitchell who happens to be justin's roommate and we've just gotten so close over the past eight months my friend and uh we're just super honored i know like eight eight months. Happy eight months. I was ready for you to say eight years for some reason. <laughs> oh, I'm, we're doing the whole intro, baby. Okay. <laughs> so, Michael Miguel Mitchell, say hello. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> is an up and coming model and actor. He recently just got a dream apartment in LA. He's going to be moving to. West Hollywood to pursue his dreams and he's been just rocking. He's a manifesting machine. He's a mental health advocate. He's a free thinker and he's a psychedelic enthusiast and we are so excited to have him on. It's a huge honor. We're so happy. I'm very honored y'all would have me. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. So we're just gonna, as we do, just let this conversation flow and, um, you know, free ball it, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, see what comes up. Um, we, do you want to talk about your hair? <laughs> what just came up? All right. So I. Uh... Um, before you talk about it, could I ask to see it? Like, could you come yeah. in the. Yeah, oh, get in. Oh my goodness, yeah. I like it. Isn't it like edgy, dope? Love it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I um I decided to color my hair for the first time in my entire life. Um, I was super nervous going into it, but it was something I had been wanting to do, and I felt like it was a way for me to express how I felt on the inside that I was embracing change and really um, just wanting to embrace it to to the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for those of you who are just listening, Michael went like bleach platinum blonde and it looks so dope. And, and he was a great yes. fade, love the fade. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a look and he's just been, been crushing with it. Yeah, um, but you were saying that. Oh, so I, um, before before we started recording this, I said that there was there was a moment that I wasn't in the right headspace. I up to that point was I, I loved it, but I wasn't I hadn't like bought into it yet. Um, it was still it was such a drastic change, and it I really cared about what people thought. Um, it so. You know, most of the time I could like will myself through having those like negative thoughts. And mm -hmm. one day I just wasn't in the right headspace and I 
heard somebody say something about it that was negative and me being the impulsive person that I am was so close to just shaving, shaving it completely off. Um, and so I took a couple of days, thought about it. Uh, I know that I have a tendency to be very impulsive at times. So um, I gave it a couple of days and definitely, definitely decided that it was, I was just in the wrong headspace. And every day I see it, I love, like I couldn't imagine not having it. Yes. Like, oh, I love that. You look so dope. Thank I really, you. really thank love you, it on you. you. Mm -hmm. And I think it was symbolic. Like we had so many conversations before and after. I think it was symbolic of like the new you that you've become. Like I've seen so many changes in you over the past eight months, but like specifically right after the hair, it was like a new level of of confidence and like the new you. Absolutely. It um it definitely in so many ways was symbolic to what I had been going through. And then uh, definitely at that time, um, I was making a decision whether I was going to be staying in San Diego or moving to Los Angeles. And I wanted, I knew what was best for me was to go out there. So another way to embrace that change was to change something about myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think what's coming up for me right now is just, um, I mean, that comment, whatever was said, that negative comment, it's just, a rem I don't know, it's just a reminder what I was getting from that is that there's so many people when even, even ourselves, sometimes we make these negative comments and we don't realize how they're just actually projections of something we're so insecure about or something that we see and we, we wish we were that bold to do or and we take it out sadly on other people. So I feel like that's just what I'm getting is just whoever, whatever comment was said that kind of, you know, um, it was just not a great one. I really feel that that person, it was just their projection because they're, they're really insecure about something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's something that we, you and I have been talking about lately. It's like kind of not consulting other people and making decisions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, for me to have made the decision to uh, the hair or the move that I'm about to make, um, I had to basically cut out the noise from everyone else around me. I, I am definitely a person that whatever I'm hearing or and whatever I'm around, I imagine it's natural, but it, it takes away from me thinking for myself and it, it gives me this like opportunity to second guess it. And it's not really my own thoughts. It's people around me deciding what I'm capable of, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. So I had to, um, over, especially over the past couple of weeks, just completely kind of be by myself and not consult with people and make the decisions that my gut's telling me to make versus what other people are saying is good for me. Mm -hmm. I mean even when I feel like we all have that at times, um, I'm thinking about something that I actually shared with Kim earlier this week. And I, I am a person that um, there's a, I don't really consult with others. And when other people say something, I'm like, well, I'm gonna do the opposite. It's been that way since day one. Um, but I feel like we all, um, there's times where we all just are influenced by others around us where I actually, 
Um, as this year has gone on, I decided to start dating and it's something very, very new for me. Um, freaking scary. <laughs> uh, I feel like I am a preschooler learning how to read. Um, do, you learn, do you learn how to read in preschool? I'm not very sure. But that's you get the I letters. Do you get like the basics. Yes, I'm learning the basics. <laughs> literally, that's how I feel. And so I was getting to the point where I was asking everyone like, is this what I say? Is this what I do? And I was just asking so many outside opinions. And I realized that's, that's not a person I am to begin with, but it was, I was just so like, this is new. What do I do? And it was getting to a point where it was not healthy. And so actually this, uh, last week I made the decision of anytime I text anyone, anything like I do not, I do not consult with other people on my dating life anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just what, like I consult with source energy and I consult with myself and that's it yeah hell yeah <laughs> well I want um you if you would be so inclined to like kind of talk about your decision to move because it was I want you to kind of like give us the timeline because it was a few months ago that you were thinking about it so I want you to kind of walk us through like your decision to do it and and how to listen to your gut and like how you learned how to how to make that decision so i a couple months ago um definitely wanted to to move and to to go out there to pursue modeling and acting and i had gotten a job offer out there and i came back i feel like i'm losing my chart um I came back here and I allowed myself to start second guessing it again mm. and deciding, you know, trying to figure out like what the right decision was. Um, it, I couldn't, I couldn't decide. I had like in so many different ways, prayed, begged, you know, for some sort of sign, something to tell me what direction to go in. And I opted to to stay in San Diego and I think that's where like the sign of what I was supposed to do or what I'm now doing kind of came into play was I came back and it was almost like a relationship where you know it's over but you keep trying to hang on and make it work mm -hmm. but everything in you knows that it's just it, it's done and mm -hmm. That was that was how it's been for me up until going back out to LA and really getting an opportunity to take it all in, uh, seeing what my life would be like out there, finding finding a place to live. Um, so many things have fallen into place since I've decided to do that. Yeah. Um, so it, I mean, it there in so many ways. Um, I got the sign that I was looking for and a lot of things seem to be falling into place the way that it's supposed to and it everything in me everything in my gut everything is pushing me to go in that direction um, is best case scenario yes me. best case scenario all the time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well tell us a little bit about like specifically so you went up there was it for the shoot that you went up there and then you found the place to live? Like, I want to hear, recap that okay. weekend. Cause that's such a good manifestation story. So I had, um, 
I had done a photo shoot that that day before driving up to Los Angeles. I had been preparing um, probably the past year, year and a half, very, um, very intensely training, trying to make myself or put myself in a position to where I felt like I was ready to do something like that. It was the first photo shoot that I've ever done where I did not have a shirt on and in some of them I don't have pants on. Um, but it was the first time I'm definitely a, a more conservative person when it comes to things of that nature. Definitely not politically, but how I carry myself, I'm definitely a more conservative person. So it was way outside of my comfort zone. But within that, I started out the photo shoot. I was really stiff. I was really like, you could tell that I was uncomfortable in the, the, the first couple pictures that we took. And as we went on, I started to become more comfortable and I fell in love with doing it and it got better and better as we went. Mm -hmm. And so, which I think was such a great way to, or like a great experience to have right before going into the situation that's going to be uncomfortable and new and like the unknown was I had already kind of overcame and conquered something that was really scary to me to begin with. Mm -hmm. So going out there, my headspace, I was like, I could not be happier. Like um, the the ability, I feel like, for me to manifest like the good things to come to me, came so easy. It was debate. Like it was. It was one of the best days of my whole life. Was that day? Um, it was just the 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 way I felt. Um, it it's just everything seemed to be coming my way. Yeah. Um, I drove out to Los Angeles and uh, got in touch with one of my friends out there before going up and let her know that I was going to be out there if she wanted to grab coffee, grab food, whatever. Um, and it, she has a roommate, or not roommate, um, she has a friend who just so happened to be renting out um, his apartment and he's just trying to break even on it. Um, and it's a phenomenal apartment like really for the location and the situation and everything included there's like it still blows my mind that i have the opportunity to move out there in, in a position like that um so like designer furniture affordable yes. rent gorgeous spot Tem west hollywood bed. <laughs> <laughs> like furnished <Nice>. gorgeous <laughs> it it was an absolute blessing um and so after going to see it, deciding, okay, this is where I'm going to live. Like, I can't believe it. I went out to dinner that night. Um, after preparing for so long for the photo shoot, like leading up to it, I had to be on a very, very strict diet. And I allowed myself to, to almost, even though I was going there to like get my life situated, I also wanted to celebrate what I had been able to accomplish. Yeah. So I allowed myself to, you know, kind of eat whatever I want, do whatever I want. I was on my own schedule. And so I went out to dinner, um, had, had a phenomenal dinner. I want to say pasta, um, some sort of pasta and had a couple glasses of red wine. It was a great night. Went back to my hotel and randomly at like four o'clock in the morning woke up and couldn't go back to sleep so i went and started out the day phenomenally went to the observatory and saw the sunrise that morning um 
went and had breakfast, explored the city, got to do some things while I was out there and just really made the most of like my little bit of time I had. Um, yeah, yeah. You saw a deer and a coyote too, didn't oh, you? Oh <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was like right as the sun was rising, I was uh, sitting on the side of the observatory looking down and um, there was just a coyote that was walking up and up and down the trail and it was like the coolest thing in the world. But like I'd never been that close to a coyote before. And it was like I was really like one with nature in that moment. And then as I'm leaving, I'm driving down and there's just a uh, deer that's, I don't know, it was eating something or another, yeah. but it was just sitting there. And I just pulled up next to it, rolled down my window and was not phased by me being right next to it. It was so cool. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah, I just remember you coming home and like telling me that story. I was just like jaw dropped. No, that's not even true. I had to call you because like my intuition was like call Michael, call Michael. Yeah. The day that you got the apartment, yeah. Like I called you that night because I yeah. needed to hear how the day went. I was I was definitely like um, my dopamine, my <laughs> euphoria, my everything. I could not have Bliss. been. I could not have been happier with life in that particular moment. Hell yeah. I was so glad. I was like, you go freaking celebrate, dude. Like, that's so, like, that. a magical day. You were in the observatory when you saw the sunset or the sunrise? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So I actually lived in LA for a year and I worked in West Hollywood area. And the people I met in LA are some of actually like, I have such close friends up there. They're amazing. Um, I know that at the time, LA was just not the place for me, but it's funny because I was meditating in, um, in the observatory, um, and that's where I heard the voice, it's almost time for you to go home. And uh, three months later, I moved to San Diego. And so it's, it's so, I love that. It's just, yeah, it was, when was that? That was in 2016. But um, yeah, I was meditating in the park after having um, a little bit of a trip and I just felt called to go to the observatory and I just was laying down in the grass and I was meditating. And I just uh, heard this voice say, it's time for you to go home. And that kind of started after that day, it kind of started all these things falling into place to bring me back to San Diego. So I love that how you, um, that's where you saw the sunrise. I love that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kind of want to circle back because like my intuition is telling me, so like the first time you went to LA because you've been manifesting mm -hmm. like for a long time, like consciously manifesting as you know, for many months now at least, but as long as I've known you. And when you went to LA the first time and like got that like amazing job, it was your, what I saw was like your mindset, your determination. You're like, I think you said, like, I'm not leaving without a job <laughs> when the first time you went up there a few months ago. And I think that was like such a beautiful example of like, um, you know, kind of how to manifest like being determined and, and like, you know, I'm going to make this happen. And you ended up getting like a crazy, amazing job. Yeah. Um, that we're at this like restaurant in what was it Malibu? It was in Malibu. Mm -hmm. yep. That like high level celebs like Elon Musk, you know, eat there. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. But what I want to say about that is that like from then to now, in 
that like journey from like, okay, you decided to stay in San Diego and you made like a conscious decision to stay in San Diego. And I want to like circle back to that moment too. But like what I'm just hearing that you need to hear is like, there are no mistakes. Like that was absolutely not a mistake. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Good. No. I'm glad you know that. Um, I feel like definitely um, I'm with you that it was not a mistake that I ended up staying. It wasn't a mistake that I went up there to begin with and got the job. All of the things happened the way I believe that they were supposed to. I may not have been necessarily ready or as confident or as like where I needed to be to go out there. And that's the way that like I look back on it. I don't look back on it and think like, oh, if I would have left earlier, like there, you can always play like a what if game, but it gave me time to work on myself even more before making the move. So I don't look back on it and regret it at all. It just reaffirms why I'm doing it and that I actually do want to do it because since that since that time I've had all this time to think okay this is you know this is what I want to do this is like since coming back the thought never left that that was you know this is what I need to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah one thing I want to pull out of there is um what would you say so like you know I obviously got to be a close witness to your whole journey, like out of a job that you really disliked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say to somebody who is kind of stuck in a job that they don't like and are afraid to get out of it? Or maybe not afraid, but like kind of that whole mindset shift. That I would say that it's, it's very easy to become comfortable in, um, in a situation, no matter if it's good or if it's bad, but if it's what you're accustomed to, um, I think is it Stockholm syndrome where mm. I would say is, um, <laughs> you become accustomed to, if it is bad, yeah. that that's what your worth is that, mm. that you're not good enough to move on to mm-hmm. something else that this is like basically that because that was really a thought that I had in my head and why I was so afraid to leave and go somewhere else was my time being spent in a job that I was really unhappy with. Um, it, it had taken away the confidence that I had had going into it that how good I was at my job, you know, how, um, that I was capable of finding something else, something where I'd be, you know, happier. Um, and that's, that's, um, I mean, that's what it comes down to is you spend so much time out of your week working. And so if you're miserable at work, most of, most of your time is spent being miserable and that will a hundred percent boil into your personal life and affect you on so many different levels than just at work. I, I remember, like, I think back to when I was, when I was there and I, I was, a, I, I tell people now that I feel like I'm such a different person since leaving, like an yeah. entirely different person yeah. that I've been able to grow that I, it, it, and it also gave me the confidence that I was good enough to go somewhere else, that I was good enough to be at a place that I thought was substantially better than the situation that I was in before. So I mean, what, how long, remind me the timeline, how long after you left 
um, did you after you left Fairweather? Did you get your new jobs? Because um, you didn't have them. Did you have them before? I would. Okay, so there was there there was a situation whenever I was leaving. So I had decided that um, you know after I I had had a sizable uh, trip that it I in no way wanted to go back in nothing like I didn't care about anything that had to do because for a long time I was very financially monetarily like motivated to an extent that I that was definitely obsessive I uh, money was something that I grew up without and so all I wanted for a long time was to make money none of the other things mattered who like how I took care of myself didn't matter physically mentally anything all that mattered was was that I had enough money and Remind me of the original question. I go on a tangent. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it was about um, did you have those jobs like before you left? Or okay. How, like what was the kind of the situation there? Um, Your new jobs. Okay. So I, I didn't care about any of those things anymore. I just knew that for me, I needed, I needed change and I could not go back to it. That it, it, it took, it took away a lot of who I was as a person. And I left um, and I was out of work. The vibes go ahead, go were ahead. not great there. No, the vibes were not, it was not, it did not meet the vibe check. It was, it was not it. Um, <laughs> it was, it was it, yeah, shit show. Um, so, um, Michael has been a bartender and a bar manager and was like managing this bar that was also like a speakeasy and just had some very poor management. Very, very, um, very interesting place. Uh, it was, it, Yep, yep. That's, uh, it was, what'd you say? They need bar Yes, rescue. yes, absolutely. If, <laughs> if, if, what's his name? John Taft. If, if he ever listens to this, please, Fairweather Bar, San Diego. <laughs> please. It's such a good location. You please, can do so it's much. It's phenomenal. It's a great location. Hor hor leadership broken. Um, but uh, there, I was out of work for... Um, before starting my new job, I was out of work for probably about three weeks to a month and really stretched myself financially. Um, mm -hmm. and even while going through being unemployed for that period of time, um, and like kind of being stressed out with finances, I knew in my heart that it was still the right decision to make, um, that I was going to find something and it was just a matter of time before that, before that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was a huge leap at the time. I was definitely terrified of of leaving because you know, like I said, like my my the way I felt about myself leaving, I wasn't you know the the confidence I, like yeah. I wasn't there. Well, it was financial security, right? Yeah. Like you were leaving financial security, like that was also a place. Yeah, it was like uh, Stockholm syndrome is such a perfect way to put it. You're yeah. like, no, it really I feel was. Stuck yeah. with these people because I'm tied to the income, but I know that I'm really unhappy here. Yeah, I. Yeah, it would definitely, definitely be that way. It was. Um, I'm trying to think because he, you know, the the guy that I worked for did. So, like so many so many things were expected of me in this situation um i would i would wind up working like 60 hours a week um and it was 
there was like a level of what had gotten me with the place was there was a lot of broken things about it, but what really got me was how much, how much heart I had put into it. Like I had put so much of myself into it. A lot of my personality was this, was this business. And, um, I, it wasn't, I didn't want more money. I didn't want less hours. I just wanted to feel appreciated. Wow. That was it. I just wanted to feel like I, what I did wasn't going unseen. Wow. That's a huge realization. Whenever I decided that that wasn't, I wasn't going to get that, there was nothing else that they could do. The money couldn't fix it. None of the other things could fix it. The things that I was typically worried about or at least worried about leading up to that, I didn't care about anymore. Um, It was. Hmm. That's huge. Yeah. And I mean, from my perspective, it seemed like you started appreciating yourself when you left. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, To kind of keep me. I, so there was a lot. There was a, a long period of time that I took like working myself down. And I remember because I had been wanting to leave this situation for a while that I, so I had went into a couple interviews, but like I said, like my confidence really wasn't there. So like the way I interviewed and which is crazy is anytime in the past, I've always interviewed very well. But in this scenario, I was not good. I just didn't have the confidence for it. And I remember one of the moments that stood out to me um, was the guy who was interviewing me asked me what hobbies I had or things that I like to do outside of work or anything related to something like that. And I sat there in awkward silence because I had nothing to say. I, I, I didn't have a personality. Working was my personality. Um, that was That was all I had. And I took a lot of time, even before leaving, I took all a lot of my free time. I had started Sober October. Um, I did that. And then I continued it on for months because it, I, I found how much, um, how much it did for me to, to stop drinking. And, um, you know, I took the money that I was spending going out and I invested it back into myself. I, you know, I, I had a bad shoulder injury to where I couldn't work out, uh, for a while. And I got, um, a massage therapist that allowed me to be able to do those things. Um, I, you know, got into meditating. I got into reading. I got into all of these different things to, to have that outlet to, mm-hmm to work on who I was, or at least figure out who I was, because at that point, I really didn't know who who I was anymore. And then, like, what, three, four weeks later, you got, like, two of the best bartending jobs in San Diego, in my opinion. Very, very (laughs) cool, very drastically different scenes, but Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Um, it, it It honestly couldn't have worked out any better. Mm hmm Yeah. Manifesting machine. <laughs> yeah. In perfect timing. Yep. It's all in perfect timing. And do you see when you look back now, do you see how it all adds up to exactly where you're supposed to be right now and how it all leads up to you moving to LA? Like when you look back, do you see the details that like have worked to bring you here? Absolutely. I kind of like what I was saying about um how I feel like I'm a different person since leaving that situation. Um, 
along with, you know, not feeling very confident in myself with being there because I think subconsciously I knew the whole time that it wasn't where I was supposed to be. And that in itself weighed me down quite a bit. Um, I lose my train of thought. Oh, how everything adds up. So, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, yeah. How everything adds up. So I, I after leaving, I, I got on at some, some really good spots, and, um, and I feel like that was so necessary for me to then have the confidence to, to go to LA and yes. to believe that I was capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes. So I think all of it aligned in a way that it it was exactly supposed to. I knew the whole time what the end goal was, but I don't know that I was in the place to be able to receive those type of things mm-hmm. with the headspace and where I was at the time. Okay, yeah. And speaking of things you manifested also, so the photo shoot, wasn't it like paid for, like free? Yes, yes. Yeah, like from like a professional photographer. Very good photographer, phenomenal yeah. photographer. Um yeah, what is, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, what is it? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, and then also, like, so you manifested your the photographer, the dream apartment, and then oh, one more thing. So your jobs, obviously. Robert Pittman, mm-hmm. phenomenal photographer. Mm-hmm. Please continue what you're saying. Yeah, no, you manifested your jobs here, photographer. Oh, and the agency. Oh yeah, um, and right. I, I believe it was right after the photo shoot that I took most recently. Um, I was reached out to by an agency. So let's backtrack a little bit. Manifestation. Um, I was doing these pictures, and at one point, I was I was I was just struggling with finding the right photographer, somebody who was on the same page with me, that the the work ethic and really being into it. Um, I could, I was struggling and I didn't want that to be an excuse for me not to keep pursuing what I wanted to do. And so I started taking pictures of myself. I'd go out with like a tripod and just my phone and go to all of these different places and try to take pictures. And that's what I did for a little while leading up to meeting the photographer that I'm with now. While I was doing those pictures by myself, I was also sending them out to all of the different agencies in LA. Everyone that I could find, I would DM them because I know that somebody's checking the Instagram. Like Instagram is is so important now. Like somebody's checking these messages and it only takes one person to see it and and give give me an opportunity. So one of the one of the people after my most recent photo shoot that I had uh DM'd, got back to me, and I have a meeting with them to join um, when is it? Uh, the first week of August. So it would be the first week that I'm in LA. Yes. Let's talk about perfect timing. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about um, like mindset and momentum. So like how, how have you been mastering your mindset? Because I know you have. I would say a lot of it comes from, um, I, 
I definitely, I, I try to work out at least five or six days out of the week if for no other reason. Granted, it has to do with what I want to do for work, but more so it, it helps me mentally. I feel like I'm much more grounded when it's not only like the working out, I think it's a dopamine rush from that, but it's the routine of doing something and also making yourself do something most of the time that you don't want to do. No matter how often you do it or you, you know you enjoy to do it, it's something that most of the time you have to convince yourself to do. Um, and I would say that that is a huge part of, of you know, kind of, and, and you have some sense of control over your life and your mindset when you're making yourself get, get into an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, it's also like the, the affirmations. It's, it's, it's the way you talk to yourself. It's retraining the way that you speak to yourself. Because I would say in the, in the past year, that's been the biggest thing that I've really harped on was really focusing on the way that I talk to myself. Because up to that point, I was definitely like, and I would still say I'm my own biggest critic, but just being able to tell yourself that like, that you are good enough, that you can do it, that like the things that you want to do are possible. I, I, I honestly can't do it enough, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it's been a way for me to kind of like retrain the way that I'm thinking. Um, yeah. yeah. And would you talk to us a little bit about like you, you're new ish to meditating, right? Like in yes. the last few months, mm-hmm. what's that like, talk to us about, how you do it what's that like like the difficulties the pros and cons kind of thing i would say i love i love being able to meditate it's definitely hard for it's definitely a challenge for me to like kind of shut my mind off a lot of the times um the different ways i've kind of gone about doing it is a lot of the times i can't really be in in my house to do it um it's it's there's, I guess there's like too much stimulation, whatever it is. I have to go like, I'll do, um, from time to time, I'll do the sensory deprivation, which I think is phenomenal. Um, float tanks. Yes. The Mm -hmm. float tanks. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Um, I always come out of it feeling like so refreshed in my mind being so clear because you're kind of in a situation where you're forced to be you know with yourself and the best way and to for the flow tank to be effective is to really focus on your breathing alone like really breathe in really breathe out um another way i've gone about doing it is the the breath work mm-hmm. um, wim hof wim hof the breath work has been such um like i the first time I did it, I was like, there's no way it's this easy. Yeah, me, you, and Justin did it on the couch yeah. here together. Yeah. Yeah. There was, and going into it, I was like, there's no way. And I went through it. I want to say we did like 40 deep, full, like breathing in, breathing out. Um, and it was almost like a, like a high that, that, I, that I got from it. Um, it was like immediate, immediate relief from whatever was going on in my head. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Cause you don't realize a lot of the times when, when you're getting stressed out that you either hold your breath or you're not taking full breath. So that's why it begins to become overwhelming. And for me, I've 
put myself into a panic attack, not knowing that the real reason was I was just not getting enough oxygen. Um, so that's been a big one. Um, I try, um, I utilize meditating when I go to the gym, when I go to the sauna, I sit in there and I just, all of it, all of it's kind of centered around breathing for me. Um, yeah. yeah, that's huge. What do you feel like are the benefits that you've gained from learning how to meditate or what are you gaining from it? I would say that it definitely like having a clear head in certain situations is so beneficial to to making any any big decision. Mm-hmm. Um, being clear headed. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely it's, it. That that was okay. For instance, one of the one of the times I was getting stressed out. I want to say it had something to do with the move that I'm about to make. Something something that's going on in my life right now. I sat back and I did the Wim Hof breathing technique, and then immediately coming out of it, I was like, okay, I'm good. And I think it's still that feeling of having somewhat of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And and clearing the clutter of your mind, or like clearing your your anxious mind and being like no it's okay like the reparenting like I've got you (laughs) because if you don't stop it just it will keep going like if you don't because you can like kind of going back to what I said about the the um or I guess overthinking overanalyzing um you know it's it's like once you get started going down that or playing the what if, like what if I did this, what if I did that, it's so easy to do that you could just keep going with it and it just gets worse and worse if you don't find a way to shut it off. Yeah. Very, very dangerous game. I And I also feel like meditating, um, breath work, it kind of takes you out of the situation and puts you in this, um, I, I call it my nirvana place. Like it kind of just puts me in this, place where there is no sense there's time situations none of that exists it's just me and source energy and my breath and that's it and it kind of just take like I I don't I feel just like I'm floating and I feel like that's such a healthy healthy thing to do to then go back and be like okay how am I gonna take care of this situation okay how it it gets um it makes it easier and it kind of um it recenters, it regrounds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you get like a zoomed out perspective of the situation as well. Like a zoomed out higher perspective where you can like yeah. see more and you can like hear your soul and your intuition yeah. and like get in touch with yourself. What, you know, like the the you that's not stressed out, the you that's not running around, you know, the you that like is in control of your life, like you said. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially with saying like, that's a good way to put it is like a place of like nirvana is mm-hmm. it's definitely uh, anytime that I get into like that meditation realm, I just feel like I'm, I'm not there. You know what I mean? Like I'm in, I'm in a different, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's almost like an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, well, I, I really want to get to talking about mental health a little bit more or our brain health, because I know you're a huge mental health advocate and I've told you my story of like my like anxiety and a lot of where that came from. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your journey from like anxiety, depression to self-love where that started kind of how you started healing yourself? So most, most of my, 
most of my life I've definitely like kind of battled uh, dealing with, you know, um, different mental health things, anxiety, depression. Um, and the, where it started, I would say it was definitely a little bit of it, I believe, had it been learned behavior. Um, both of my parents deal with it severely. Um, but I definitely think there's a layer of like a genetic, like being passed down as well. Um, I, I don't know. I got insecurities really young. Um, I was really overweight whenever I was growing up. Um, and you know, like I hate to, to place blame on anyone because honestly my mindset towards this situation is, is you, you do life the best you feel like in that moment. And you don't really know in the moment how damaging it can be, but uh, definitely from from my dad uh, specifically, he um, he just made he gave me a really hard time about it. Um, like, was brutally honest at like a young age that you know like so definitely definitely mean things um, that you know I was gonna die of heart disease at a young age that. Um, you know, called me fat, you know, like was brutally honest about um, me being overweight. Mm -hmm. And that never, you know, it just, it hurt me a lot. It never made me want to lose the weight. It honestly probably played into the issue that I had going. Yes. Um, with that being said, I don't think it was meant to be, um, like, I don't think it was inherently vindictive. Like, I don't think that, I think he was trying to, to explain to me the severity of it, but his execution of getting it to me probably wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. But so it gave me like a very strong insecurity about the way I look. Um, but on the other side of that, um, my mom, somebody who also deals with it pretty heavily, always made me feel like I was okay. Whereas my dad's definitely like the typical military, conservative, hard individual. Mm -hmm. um, who definitely deals with mental health issues, but doesn't address them. Of course. Uh, I was blessed to mostly be raised by my mom and somebody who always made me feel like it was like, it was okay that I felt that way, that it wasn't, that it wasn't weird, that I wasn't weak. That was the mm. biggest thing, that it was more of a strength that I was able to battle that yeah. than it was a weakness that I dealt with it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I battled that for, for a long time. I, um, you know, growing up, um, it wasn't until I was, I was 19. I was, the heaviest I got was, um, about 330 pounds. Um, and I decided that I would do anything to lose the weight. I'd finally gotten into a place where I like, I really wanted to do that for myself. And I lost in a year. I want to say I went from 330 pounds down to about 175 pounds. Um, very, wow. I was very dedicated I've never had, I wow. don't believe I ever had the discipline That's ever, even like since then, hundred pounds, like an entire other person in oh a year. Wow. And that going into mental health, it was kind of one of those things that it was like, I was so driven to do it. My life was going to change as soon as I lost the weight, I was going to feel so great about myself. Mm. And the thing that nobody prepared me for was that even though I had lost that weight, I, I didn't lose those insecurities. Like they still were there. Um, 
And it, it, and I really didn't realize how much of a, you know, toll that took on my mental health. And so one day I was randomly talking to a psychologist uh, while I was working. She just happened to be a psychologist. And then we got into the conversation about, I told her I lost the weight. And the first thing she asked me was, what did that do to you mentally? And no one had ever asked me that question before. And it was, you know, it like I had to refine because you're somebody's first um, interaction with you, first uh, impression of you, a lot of the times is based on the way you look. And that's like not a, I don't believe a conscious thing, but that's the first thing you have to judge. Mm-hmm. And the way people interacted with me was different. And so I, it, I had to figure out who I was at that point, because in my head, I was still that, that really overweight, you know, insecure kid. But okay. to everyone else, I was projected in a completely different way. How long ago was that? I was, it was like, like five years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd almost call that like an awakening journey, you know, (laughs) starting roughly five years ago, really having to figure out who the heck you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, but with that, I think I gained this, this ability to believe that I was capable of accomplishing a lot of things. Like the reason that I talk about it, because I do, I talk about it frequently to people is because I think that that being able to accomplish a task like that was changed my life forever because I felt like I was good enough. I was capable of taking on things that seemed very like unreach unreachable, you know, um, yeah, it it, it mm-hmm. is the reason that I feel like I'm here in this moment. And I'm chasing and pursuing everything that I want to do. Oh yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. But I feel like we went on a tangent, the mental health thing. So, um, it's good tangent. Yeah, um, we love tangents. <laughs> after that, um, I after after that, I moved to. Um, few years later I moved to Boston um with my ex-girlfriend who was not a great situation um definitely was an extremely unhealthy situation that took a toll on my mental my mental health stability um was definitely like um yeah definitely definitely a taxing situation um you know that's the thing for me that's why like I don't know. Mental health for me is is such a is is such a thing that I, I not only because I deal with it, but because I feel like the stigma more and more is going away. But it still exists that you know that it's a weakness for a man. You know, there's mm-hmm. you know there there are more and more men that are have like that fame and notoriety that come out and say that they deal with it, but. It, I, I hate that stigma, you know? Um, yeah. It, um, okay, no, it's good. I mean, I think you got it from both your dad and society. Yeah. You know? And it's, it, I lost my train of thought. Um, That's okay. Oh, that and then another thing is is that um you know women like it's definitely like women 
definitely can go through an abusive relationship. But just as much as a woman can go through an abusive relationship, so can a man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, it is equally is a taxing situation. And the reason that I kind of view my old job, my situation I was in at Stockholm Syndrome is because that was what my relationship moving from Boston to coming here, I had been going through. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I, that person got to decide how, what my worth was, yeah. how, how good I was. Um, and it really took a toll on me. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like a whole also, like, even from what you were talking about earlier, just realizing from the very first thing you said about like your hair, it's like learning how to like be your own advocate, be your own like affirmation, your own appreciation first, like to like exclude all of the external opinions. And sometimes we have to learn that in the most difficult ways, like from your job to your relationship, like that's part of your, your journey of learning how to love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you, like, what would you say are some of the tools that you used to heal? Definitely, um, definitely would be distancing myself from other people, not in like an antisocial way, um, more so prioritizing the people that I'm putting around me and really being selective of the people that I keep around me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, like that that feeling of like, oh, that person's my family. I have to I have to talk to them, even though what they may say may put me into a bad place mentally. Uh, they're my family, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, you can you can love that person, but you don't have to you don't have to give your time to that person because unless they're like, unless they're promoting you to be a better version of yourself, no matter if it's family, friends, whoever it is, that. You have to be able to distance yourself from those people. And that would be the biggest thing for me is really being super selective of the people that I keep around me because it it seems like, you know, cliche, but it's the, you know, birds of a feather, you know, the mm-hmm. people that you're around, you know, they kind of are, you're kind of the average of the people that you hang around. Yeah. You and I both talked about that. Like when we stopped drinking that, like our entire friend group shifted because that's what we did together like you have your drinking buddies and those are your friends and that's what you do on the weekends when you're not at work and to you know like quit drinking and you're like oh shit now what do we do yeah (laughs) who are my friends that honestly such a great point you bring up because I forget about because it has been so long since I stopped I really stopped going out a whole lot was the feeling like it didn't bother me. I never had too much of a dependency. I drank socially and I would say like pretty regularly, but it was due to like, that's what the people around me were doing. As soon as I stopped doing it, I still wanted to be around those people. And so I would go out with them and it wouldn't bother me to not be drinking while I was out, but it would bother the people that I was around that I wasn't drinking and almost make me feel like I was being weird or awkward because I wasn't indulging in the same activity that they were. Mm-hmm. And that was when like, I got to a point, cause I did that for a few weeks and I was like, why am I even doing this? I'm like, I'm doing this for them. I don't even want to go out cause I'm not drinking, but I want to spend time with these people. But every time I go, I'm being made to feel like I'm weird because I'm doing something I feel like is very positive for myself. So very counterproductive. So 
yeah, then mm-hmm. that yeah. same line. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's choosing, like you said, like choosing, being super selective about who you surround yourself with. And sometimes, like for, I know for myself, like I had to make kind of a clean break and like I had like one friend left. Yeah. <laughs> I had like one friend <laughs> and I, w- I had to learn how to be my own best friend and take myself on dates and go do what I thought was fun and just like learn how to just be comfortable with myself and like eventually I manifested like some freaking incredible 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 friends and I'm eternally grateful for that like our you know my new family and on the same vibration on the same like you know journey of self-love and awakening and stuff so it's like it's incredible what can happen but sometimes it's a very lonely road like I want to say for awakening especially like spiritual awakening can be a very lonely road at times without a doubt mm-hmm. without a doubt it, it, it for the first couple of months I before I got acclimated to like that being like my lifestyle and what I was doing I 100% agree with you that it was it was very lonely super sad at times that you know because you're just used to being around people you know and when you cut that off it's like you're just kind of stuck with your own thoughts but that's where like all of the growth that comes from an awakening happens is that uncomfortable feeling at the beginning and having to be stuck with your own thoughts to kind of figure out like how do you like build a like a roadmap to being a better version of yourself yeah, totally and yeah like becoming becoming your authentic self becoming yeah who you want to be yeah mm-hmm. not allowing the people that are around you to to be like a personality trait to take on those things as a personality trait yeah um we've got like five more minutes um i have a couple questions left i don't want to like just take over annie if there's anything that you oh, want to bring up no there um i yeah no i take over okay <laughs> perfect okay so two things left that I really want to discuss with you and we might have to like fly over them and and come back to this when we have you on again, but perfectionism and microdosing, whichever one you want to talk about first. (laughs) I love talking about both. So uh, let's go with, let's go save the best for last. We'll go perfection. Okay. Um, So um, I'm definitely a person who, who is a perfectionist at heart. Like I want, and I feel like at times that could be a useful thing. You know, but overall, um, only allowing perfection to be um, to to be basically what you want. Um, it, it it's an expectation that'll never be met. You'll never become perfect. You'll never be because every time you reach that mark of like, once I get here, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be better. Uh, once I get this, I'm gonna just be like better. Like when you lost the weight. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. You're as soon as, and I think it's just our wiring is it's just the grass is greener on the other side. As soon as you get that one thing, then life is going to be perfect. And then once, once it's, once you get it, you figure out, okay, there's, there's more things. There's all, there's constantly going to be more things. And that's why you're never going to reach a level of being perfect, but maybe it's like redefining your definition of perfect. And that's, yeah, that's what, what I would say has been a big thing that I've had to work on is saying that like I'm the perfect version of myself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Like redefining your definition of perfection? I would say that um, 
having like realistic expectations of things that you you can achieve from day to day and not thinking about the bigger picture or like really focusing or harping in on like what can I do today to be a little bit better rather than this this idea of perfection that I mean may take much years or you may never get to like what matters is the consistency part of it and being a little bit better than you were the day before yeah you know um wabi sabi have you looked into that mm-hmm. okay so wabi sabi is um it's one of my favorite things i actually have it tattooed on me um because i at heart tend to be a perfectionist but wabi sabi is um the japanese uh flow energy and it's um of being perfectly imperfect so it takes this like how perfection is so unattainable but it's so beautiful that it is so unattainable that the imperfections we have are just part of it. And it's just, it's just beautiful that way. Yeah. I would highly recommend looking into it. It's, it's just a, it's something so, so lovely to read and um, kind of incorporate in your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. No, because it's definitely like, if I would say like one of my like character flaws would would definitely be um striving for a perfection that's like is mm-hmm. unreachable it's something that you've kind of described to me before is like you hit that you know goal or whatever and then you get like a temporary dopamine hit you're like cool did it yeah what's next yeah you know you don't get to like stop and celebrate and like but I see you doing that now yeah like that's showing how much you healed that yeah, no, because it's constantly, it's like, it's, it's something that's like constantly under construction. It's something that constantly needs to be worked on. And, um, but definitely I'm, I'm more inclined to, um, to, to celebrate the small wins a little bit longer than what I would have before, rather than just getting that immediate rush and then being like, okay, how can I, how can I get better? Yeah. It's like, let's just celebrate like getting here mm-hmm. and then focus on it. Yeah. And what about like, cause when I think of perfectionism, I think of like also criticism on the yeah. other side of that, like criticizing yourself for not being perfect. Yeah. Um, I would say that, yeah, with, with, uh, I absolutely agree with, with that perfectionism, it comes like harsh, harsh criticism constantly that you aren't, yeah, that, that you're not at that perfection, you know? And then I feel like that's a bad precedent to set for your mind that, that you're not like, it sets you up, it sets yourself up to believe that you're not perfect and you're not good enough. And that's just, for me, like I, I have, I've had to have to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've seen you overcome it in so many ways. And like, it's, it's ironic, like a journey to overcome perfectionism and not perfect overcome perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's it's constantly something I don't feel like I say enough, definitely. It's um it's been so cool because not only have you been able to witness it, but you've helped me so much along the way with being able to do that. And you know, I think you were the first person that really like had given me the idea of like the way that you talk to yourself and in your head you know I never really focused on it that much before and you had mentioned it's like 
you know, like it's like you're reparenting yourself that a lot of those like negative emotions come from a place that's like way in your past and you're still just hanging on to. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But but I you've like I said not only gotten to witness it but it played a huge part into it and yeah I couldn't be more grateful that I've had the opportunity to have you. As- oh Michael, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been my honor. I kind of consider you like one of my first coaching clients. That's so awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I'll make you write me a review sometime. Um, okay. Last thing, just a couple minutes and we'll wrap up. Um, okay. Microdosing, will you give us just like a bird's eye view of your microdosing journey and how you got started and what you ended up doing and yeah. For, for microdosing, I was definitely like on the fence about, um, doing it on a regular basis. I was somebody who definitely liked, uh, I had done mushrooms a few times before I, I had tried acid before, um, but definitely in like a like a larger dose. I had like a full trip from it, and never had really microdosed before to understand that like that little bit of a shift that it gives you in your mind. You know that little bit of like I would say like I don't know a little bit of sparkle, like a little sure. bit of like color. You know um, that that you get when you microdose, and just like the ability to I don't know. For me, whenever I was microdosing, I was able to look at things that I was maybe like I was dealing with thinking about probably overanalyzing and for some reason it allowed me to kind of feel like it was okay that either I was feeling that way or that it it gave me enough of a of a I, I guess like a control over like the way I was thinking to be able to like okay how can I how can I move forward with this how can I change this because for me, I feel like the the feelings of negativity are so overwhelming on uh, psychedelics that it's so uncomfortable that like it almost helps you retrain your mind to gear yourself more in a positive direction because it the negativity or positivity very much so engulfs. Like amplified. Yes, mm-hmm. it's like it's like if it's negative, it's like I I I know that it allowed me to see like maybe the negative people that were in my life so much quicker because like I talked to them and then immediately I would just have this overwhelming feeling of like, like, and I'm like, I just got to get away from it. I just have to, like, I can't take the, like, I can't take the negativity. Mm-hmm. And I did that solidly for like, I want to say it was like three or four months. And since then, now I do it occasionally, but in that four months, I feel like, like it, it, it definitely helped in like the awakening and the, 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 the growth that I was able to do. Like, I think it amplified it. I don't think it did it for me. I think the mindset of wanting to do it combined with microdosing just allowed it to, to happen so seamlessly and feel so much quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you remind me, did you do it like every day? Did you take some days off during the, like I've heard some people do it like four days on, three days up, whatever. What did you do? I think I did it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did it like five out of seven days. And that was something that I didn't expect either was like, we, we got these um, mushroom gummies that were like super easy to take. But I, in the past have like ground up my mushrooms, put them in these little capsules and it was <laughs> a challenge. Um, but these were super convenient and nice. But I, I was so surprised by that, that 
because I've heard so much of like microdosing for depression. I'm like, oh, it just must lift your mood. And I didn't kind of expect, I'm like, oh no, like if you get stressed out, like you feel it, (laughs) you feel it worse. (laughs) It like amplifies amplifies it and makes you uncomfortable to the point of like, okay, how do I shift this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say that the difference is, and I feel like with more time that goes by, like, I love that it's like it's almost like we're at the like the forefront of like the that awakening that's happening because for so long, um, you know, modern medicine has only, you know, used SSRIs as something to help treat depression. And whereas like I have been somebody who has taken SSRIs before and it I feel like it numbed a lot of the emotion that I had and kind of like took away a lot of like my personality and who I was and it as soon as I got off, it was like an overwhelming amount because it had been suppressed for that for so long. Whereas the microdosing allowed me to kind of look at my problems head on and figure out how I can deal with them versus just suppress them. Yeah. Huge. So good. Love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how can our listeners find you connect with you on social media? So I am on Instagram uh, at Miguel D. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, what other forms of social media do I have? Uh, I think I appreciate there. that. That's just starting <laughs> there. Start, it's you just start, start a link there. tree, you know, yeah. on your Insta and, and link to all your other things. But yeah, um, yeah, Michael D. Mitch, Michael Miguel, D. Miguel. Mi- Miguel <laughs> at Miguel D. We'll link D. it below. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Look in the bio. <laughs> what he says. Look in bio. And um, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's such you. a perfect talk. And I just adore you. And you're my forever brother. And so I'm, yeah, just so happy to have you on. And we'll have to have you back on and dive deeper into these topics. It's been so good. Absolutely. I was happy to be able to do it. Um, so stay tuned. And uh, one thing you can help us out with, again, follow us on Awakening 101 Podcast on instagram throw us a dm if there's anything that you want us to discuss or anyone you think that we should have on or if you want to apply to be on we'd love to um connect with you and if you could just download the episode on spotify that really does so much for us so much more than you know yeah um, a random playlist it's spotify has a weird algorithm and it actually really helps mm -hmm. and share like an episode with your friends that you think they might want to listen to um, we so appreciate you and appreciate you, Michael. Thank you for being yes, on. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Kim, for having me on. Hell yeah. All right, you guys. Have a wonderful day, evening. We heap blessings upon you and send you so much love. Mm-hmm. All right.